The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Dave Well, here we are one week into the baseball season, and the Royals have played only four games. It's Dave on another edition of your dish, clubhouseconversation.com. Make sure you check out our website, subscribe on there so you get all of our latest podcasts, and follow us on Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, and on Facebook, Clubhouse Conversation. And joining me right now, this time by phone, normally we're in studio together, but tonight Jake Lutz, our Clubhouse Conversation Royals insider, joins us. How's everything going with you, man? It's going good, Dave. I wish we could uh, actually have some games to watch this week. I know. It's like, it's been horrible. <laughs> like, there's been only one night game so far, and this week yep. we either have snowouts this week or we have day games. There's literally not a single night game this entire week. Do you ever remember a time where there wasn't a single night game over a whole week? I really don't. It's been a, a really odd start to the season with these game times and the rainouts and the random off day on a Friday last week. It's just just weird. Yeah, you have the random off day on a Friday, and then this Friday you've got a 3 p.m. start, which I guess makes sense because it's Cleveland's home opener. But it's still a bit odd, you know, a week plus into the year that you haven't had a Friday night home game and you've played or a Friday night game, I should say. And you've played uh, two Fridays, so that's a bit odd, Jake. Well, we actually have a decent amount to talk about. We've only played four games, so we last spoke with you about a week ago, basically about 12 hours before the news about Salvador Perez's injury broke. So that happened, I guess that injury probably happened about the time we were recording our last uh, our last show, Jake. And uh, we have that to talk about here in a bit. But, um, you know, I, I, I hear you're quite upset from, from the grapevine and from, uh, from a little bluebird that flew on my shoulder. I heard you might want to rant a bit about the weather. Do you want to tell me how you really feel about this weather and early, uh, early you know, season start this week, this year? Well, I mean, I realize it's an uncommonly cold spring, but still, I mean, what what do they expect when they're starting baseball games on March 29th and trying <laughs> to play them in Midwest cities? I mean, it, I've, I don't think I've ever seen this many rainouts in the first week of the season, not just the Royals, but, I mean, there's so many teams already in the league that have day-night doubleheader scheduled for the season, and it, it, it just seems crazy to me with, you know, all the different cities that are warm that you could start the season in. And also just, I, I don't understand why the season's starting in March, I guess. Well, I when, guess. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's been perfectly fine in the past when we started around April 3rd, 4th, 5th. Yeah. And gone into early November if needed. Yeah. I just feel like the weather plays out better that way. It, it's just odd to me. Well, the reason for that is the Players Association, the Players Union, um, you know, wanted some more off days built in. So by starting the season earlier, they can build in a few extra off days and pepper those throughout the summer but i'm with you man it's, it's a little bit too early to start it i mean you know it, it could have worked out that kind of rolled the dice with that some years it'll probably be okay to start this early but you know getting back to what you said putting all these games in, in midwestern cities i mean you have detroit open up at home against pittsburgh and they already have a day night double header opening weekend because it's an interleague <laughs> series there's also at least one interleague series going out at once right now it's seattle and san francisco as we speak but i mean yeah you talk about that then you've got what you had tampa bay on the road weren't they in new york where was tampa bay at new york right and then that, it snowed out there but yet you've got a dome in tampa where you could be playing yeah yeah it makes no <laughs> sense at all <laughs> you know let's go ahead and put them all in the far north let's have minnesota host games and heck if fargo had a ball club it'd for sure be playing in fargo a home game so <laughs> no i'm with you man it's frustrating you know it's exciting to have baseball back and i get that the players and the players union wants you know the extra off days i, I get that it's tough on the body especially when you get to the dog days of july and august 
Um, but certainly it seems maybe it was a bit early this year, Jay. Well, yeah, and it, it makes sense to, you know, get the extra off days, but it, it kind of sucks then when you're having to fill all of them with, uh, you know, rain outs from early in the season. Right, right, or just day-night doubleheaders. It's like, you know, nothing but yeah. doubleheaders. I wish they would just go – you know what they ought to do that would that would cure this all, Jake? Continue to start your April 3rd like you talked about and, and continue to get the players some more off days, but go back to actually scheduling doubleheaders like in the old days. You know, even in the early 90s when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I remember – I don't know. I, I want to say two to three times a year they would just have doubleheaders scheduled on a Sunday. I mean, you know, why not go back to that? Schedule one doubleheader a month. You know, you get that extra player that you get to call up from the minor leagues and, you know, give the players their extra off days and, and start the games when the weather's a bit better. How about that for a, a meet in the middle? Yeah, I, I, I would love that. I think fans would love that. And, you know, the guys are already at the ballpark all day anyways, so I don't think they would be that opposed to it either. Right. Well, you know, the guys getting there at noon like Alex Gordon, I mean, what's the difference, you know, right? Get there an hour or two earlier yep. and, and play too. Well, so we got the weather out of the way. I'm with you on that. It's frustrating, and now we have to sit through another off day on Thursday. So it, it's just – it's almost like the season hasn't even started, right? I mean, it's just like you had a few afternoon games and then days off and weather and more days off, and yeah, so it's frustrating. But, but let's start with the news of – you know, last night and today, Jake, and that would be um, some moves the Royals have made. The first one is, you know, very whatever, but Cody Ashey, former Nebraska Cornhusker, sent to the New York Yankees uh, for cash considerations or a player to be named later. I'm assuming this is to open up third base for Hunter Dozier there at Omaha. Any thoughts at all on Cody Ashey? Did you see him much out there when you were in surprise? I did see him, and, you know, he, he swung the bat decent this spring, but I think that's exactly what uh, what you're saying right there. Is that's to open it up for Dozier because there is, uh, I mean, previously there was a log jam there in AAA at first base, um, you know, with O'Hearn and um, Schwindel. So I, I think that's probably to get Dozier some more work over there at third base, and it just makes sense. There just wasn't really a roster spot, I think, for him to get every day at bats. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, like you said, you've got O'Hearn and Schwindel at first, and they talked about putting Dozier at first, and of course his natural position is third, so it does make sense to open up third base for him since there's nowhere for him to play over there at first. So I think that was, you know, whatever. I don't think Ashy was ever going to be on the team. But the, the, the move that is semi-controversial that I think all of us, you know, has, it's left all of us kind of scratching our heads. You know, I think we all, um, you know, believe in Dayton Moore and the organization, obviously. They're world champions, and they know what they're doing. But it seemed a bit odd, Jake, seeing Miguel Almonte – First of all, seeing him DFA'd, and second of all, picking up Abraham Almonte, who's a 28 year old who did have a, you know a decent season a couple years ago. He's an outfielder, um, you know, 28 years old though, not exactly young. He should be at his peak years, maybe even getting towards the back end of them, depending on who you ask. But uh, you know, you and I both talked about just last week how impressed we were with Miguel Almonte. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, it didn't make sense at all to me when I saw it. I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around it because Miguel Almonte was so impressive this spring. I, I don't believe he even gave up a run down in surprise in seven, I think he threw seven scoreless innings. So I was I was pretty surprised to see it because I was thinking maybe he could bounce back here and actually be, you know, get a call up at some point this year and improve himself. So I'm surprised to see us get rid of a young arm like that, a, a young power arm when we have such a lack of them in our system. So it, yeah, it's it's a bit puzzling to me still. I, I, maybe they're worried about some of his arm issues that he's had in the past, but I, I'm not really sure. It was definitely a definitely a surprise, right? And more, co- even more surprising than the Zimmer one, I thought. Uh, oh, I, I think so too. I mean, the, the Zimmer one you could kind of see coming. You and I, I think, even touched on it last week. Like, when's enough enough? At what point 
do you kind of just say, okay, it's not going to happen? And I, and I think you and I both thought they'd give him one more year and give him a full chance in the bullpen, him being Kyle Zimmer we're talking about right now, before they pulled that plug. And he still may end up sticking with the Royals. We'll find out Thursday afternoon here in a little bit. But back to Almonte, yeah, I mean, he's throwing the ball great. Now, he is going to open the season in the DL. There are some shoulder issues. So who knows? Maybe there's a serious arm injury and the Royals just felt like they couldn't you know, squeeze anybody else off the roster, Jake. But I wanted to point out two things. First of all, A, you didn't have to pick up Abraham Almonte, so there didn't have to be a roster crunch. And number two, you go through some of the names that are currently on the 40 that you would have thought, um, you know, could potentially be optioned off anyone from, you know, Blaine Boyers on the 40 right now. Um, you go down the list here. I'm looking through here. I don't think they want to option Andres Machado. He showed some pretty good stuff last year. But Brandon Maurer, that's not going to happen this early when they owe money. I understand that. But Burt Smith could have been offered back. Um, you know, you go through some of these names. Uh, Samir Duenas, does he really need to be on the 40? Is he really going to get picked up? Um, you know, even Ramon Torres. Even you could make a case for Paulo Orlando if you're going to claim another outfielder. Just It just seems a bit odd that they would choose him out of all the guys on the 40. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it, it was. It's a really, a really strange move that I hope at some point we get some more clarification about. Right. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you on that. So that was a bit odd. Well, you know, for now, I'm going to go ahead and continue to trust that they know what the heck they're doing. They're not stupid. They're running a world class ball club. So, but it, it, you know, nothing that I'm super upset about. But it just seemed a bit odd, a little bit perplexing. So I wanted to touch on that. Now, Jake. Early on, we only have four games. The Royals, of course, are one and three, and we know also the Royals have led. In all four games, I guess we can kind of go through them game by game here, if you'd like. Um, you know, early on, I, I guess before we do that, what, what have we learned early on here? You know, what, what's the main thing you've taken away from the first four games? Um, I mean, well, we we learned. We, I think we may have known this even before the season started that the bullpen was going to be kind of a trial and error thing, and was going to be probably a mess the first couple months of the season, at least. And uh, that's that's kind of what we saw on opening day, as well as. Um, the second game of the season when Brandon Maurer blew the, the lead in the eighth inning. So I, I think we kind of just confirmed that the bullpen is probably going to be an issue uh, for the majority of the year. And then I, I think um, at least the bats have gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but I, I don't think that's necessarily we learn anything there. I mean, they're play, they've been playing in brutally cold weather, so right. I, I'm not going to look too much into how the lineup has performed the first four days. Also, considering yeah, you mentioned the weather, but also, like we talked about, you're playing like every third day. I mean, you, you leave Arizona, get snowed out in Omaha, have a couple off days, you play you know, one day, off day, one day, snow out. I mean, literally, it's like every other day or every third day, so it's tough to get any timing down with the weather on top of that. I agree that you can't really tell much offensively uh, from four days. Let's let's kind of go through it game by game. Going back to opening day, you know, I don't know about you, Jake, but you get up to a nice 4 nothing lead. The first time in club history on opening day, they had a four spot there to start the first inning. I mean, Lucas Duda uh, showing why the Royals signed him with that, you know, paint, just cleared the paint barely, you know, on the outfield, but got out of there for a big uh, three-run home run for the Royals. And you get that 4 nothing lead, and Duffy's cruising through the first few innings, and then as often seemed to happen last year, especially against the White Sox, Jake, he really struggles against the White Sox. If you go back, there was you know there's a couple brutal outings last year. One of them in May, I remember in particular there in early May. I think it was May second last year. I only remember that because that's me and my girlfriend's anniversary. So yeah, how, how sad is that that I remember that the game he pitched May second because that's a, you know our anniversary. But anyway, uh, you know how disappointed were you in, in Duffy and I guess that first game overall. Um, it, yeah, it was pretty frustrating just because he looked so good the first three innings and he was kind of, I had a lot of doubts about him going into opening day with, you know, the issue he had with his arm just a week earlier at spring training. 
and just him not performing well out in surprise. And, you know, the first three innings, he was he was proving a lot of us wrong, that he looked like he was, you know, his normal self. And he kind of just fell apart there in the fourth, just couldn't locate his fastball, couldn't really locate anything. And the White Sox are a team that just had his number. Yeah, last I remember them him taking a beating from them multiple times last year. They have a lot of right-handed bats in that lineup and, you know, some with pop, and they just seem to – see the ball really well off of Duffy it's just not a good matchup for him and the team I think the White Sox may end up be you know being better than you and I thought you know just from watching them the I've seen pretty much all their games watching on the MLB extra innings since the Royals never play you know watching all these different different games a team that's very loose and has fun out there so it it is a tough matchup for him they kind of remind me of the Royals a few years ago where they put the ball in play although they strike out quite a bit so that's not really a good comp but they do put the ball in play, you know, slappy and, and kind of just, you know, make things happen in that lineup with all those right-handed bats, although they do strike out, so I take back that comp. But anyway, yeah, that that was a frustrating thing to see on opening day, and then you saw the bullpen come in. Blaine Boyer, very disappointing out of the bullpen. That's kind of when the game got away. You know, the Royals were down, I believe, just one when he came in and gave up a few runs there, and we saw Burt Smith couldn't hit the side of a barn. Um, you know, some nerves there, obviously, although he has pitched over a year in the big league. So, um, But, you know, there was that opening day. Now, the second game... Even more frustrating, Jake. You know, the offense wasn't doing much, but they had squeezed across a few runs and had a nice lead going into the eighth inning by a couple runs, and, and then Brandon Maurer came in. Now, I don't want to be too negative. It's only one game. We talk about the offense, how it's small sample size, and it's cold, and you know, not in a rhythm yet. The same thing can happen for pitchers. I think people forget the pitchers can be in slumps and the pitchers need action as well. So, you know, if we're going to make excuses or, or, or provide explanations for the offense, same thing needs to go for the pitchers. So I'm not trying to be the whipping boy on Brandon Maurer, Jake, but it left a bad taste in my mouth last year. He comes over, has an ERA north of nine with the Royals, can't get anybody out. And then this winter, I believe he was the first, correct me if I'm wrong, the first arbitration case that ever happened where they actually went to court with Dayton Moore. He demands more money. You know, it's left a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, you're, you're wanting more money. After, I mean, just meet in the middle, man. After, you know, right? After you have an ERA north of nine and kind of when you came over, it kind of spelled the end. The, the two things that spelled the end last year were benching Bonifacio and then that trade. You know, both things kind of were the end of the of the season last year when the Royals were a game out when they made that trade of making the postseason. But then you come out and you put him in the eighth inning, which – I never advocated for. I never thought that was. I, I didn't want him back at all this year, Jake. I thought he was an easy DFA, or not DFA, but you know, non. Uh, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Non tender. There we go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Then he comes out, and I mean, I guess the first question is, were you even surprised that happened? And the second question is, tell me why I shouldn't be down on Brandon Maurer. <laughs> I mean, I, no, I wasn't really that surprised. I mean, we saw it so much last year. And I, I'm with you where I kind of have a bad taste in my mouth, too, especially from the arbitration case this winter, being the first one that went to Dayton, and the fact that he thought he deserved more money <laughs> considering what he did last year for us. Right. So it, it was a little frustrating to see his first outing be that bad. You know, I obviously want to see him in a situation similar to that again. I don't think by any means he should be pitching the eighth inning anytime soon, but, you know, he's going to have it. He's one of the only power arms right now in that pen, so he's going to be towards the back of the bullpen. Um, I, I think that Grimm may get a chance to take over that eighth inning spot right now. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how he looks in his next pressure situation. I, I can only hope that maybe it's just a, a bad night for him. I mean, he couldn't, he had no command the other night. So yeah. maybe it's just one of those nights for him. But we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, it's a small sample size. We'll see what he could do the next time he's actually in one of those 
crunch time situations. And in his defense, like you said, a big arm. He has saved, you know, what, 20-plus games last year with the Padres. The ERA wasn't pretty, but he did save over 20 games last year for the Padres. So there is some experience there, and you're right. It's a team in that bullpen where there's not a lot of experience as far as proven guys at the back of the pen. You've got Herrera, but outside of that, you know, maybe Grimm and and Maurer and, and to a degree, Boyer, although Boyer is, you know, in 2013, Jake, was in Omaha all year, never got a call-up. So, I mean, he was even fodder five years ago, you know, and, and here he is now. So you look at that bullpen, and we have some question marks about that, and I want to talk about that in a couple minutes here. But next, game three, um, you know, what sticks out about that to you? Anything about that, uh, the, the game with Jason Hamill in Detroit? Um, not too much. I mean, I, I don't think Jason Hamill pitched as bad as, as the stat line and score show. Um, you know, I, I thought they actually hit some pretty tough pitches, and they, there was a lot of bloops, and I feel like, you know, just I, I feel like he had some bad luck. I, they definitely they were not crushing the ball off him. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what we get from Hamill in his next outing, but I didn't, I didn't think it was as bad as, as, uh, as what it looked. And the offense in that game really just couldn't ever get anything going. Yeah, I mean, I look back at, at Hamill in that game, and like you said, Jake, there, there were some tough pitches that were being hit, and balls seemed to find holes, and that happens in baseball. But, you know, it's that dreaded third time through the order. We talked about it all last year, and, yep. you know, it just keeps happening. So, you know, at some point, I mean, at, at the point that he has in his career, obviously, he's past his prime, and he is what he is. I mean, you're you're hoping to get 100 and, what, 55 to 160 innings realistically out of Hamill and, and hope that he can keep his ERA in the low fours. That may be a little wishful thinking, especially in the American League. But, um, you know, a guy that the third time through struggles. and But, the, you know, Jake, the M.O. before last year was always that he'd be really good till about June and then fall apart. So it, it would be nice at least, like we talked about in our preview, if he could piece together some nice outings and give the Royals, a, you know, some solid, some solid games and, and keep them in games, get some wins, and then flip him for something at the deadline if the Royals are out of it. But we'll see if that happens. Now, game four... The Royals a nice one nothing victory, Jake. Tell me how excited you were about Mr. Junis. I mean, he was fantastic, and we saw it all spring from him. We saw it, you know, even last year. I mean, he had the slider working. He had his fastball. I mean, he was throwing that. I mean, just location was perfect on everything. Um, I mean, he was pitching quick. He just was in a really good groove out there, looked confident, and is, is a guy who I think we can be pretty excited about this year moving forward. I mean, um, I, I was I was pretty pumped on that that flatter he struck out Cabrera on where he jumped back. Yeah, yeah. that was you know it was nasty. The Three in a row from a guy. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. And you and I talked about him on on our uh, on our preview and him and Nate Carnes. Now, of course, Nate Carnes' news also came out after our last podcast. Um, that he is now on the DL and will be in the bullpen when he gets back. So he may end up being one of those guys. Maybe he follows a similar trajectory as Wade Davis. They certainly have similar stuff. Um, it's certain, you know, have similar kind of mentalities. I think they're both kind of bulldogs on the mound, so that can end up being okay. And you obviously want the starting pitching. You know, starting pitching obviously, for the most part, is far more valuable than bullpen pieces. I mean, that's kind of true. I guess the Royals kind of proved that wrong going to the World Series with guys like Guthrie and Vargas, and you know, having that shutdown bullpen behind them, kind of you know, in the defense and athleticism. But um, you know, starting pitching, you'd like to see Karn stay there especially because the Royals are kind of void, like you mentioned earlier, of guys that are immediately close to the majors, at least, um, coming in the rotation. But the Karns thing hurts, but yeah, I mean, Junis, to me, is the most exciting young pitcher on the staff. I don't think it's close, and I think he uh, quite possibly could end up being 
um, you know, the, the best starting pitcher on this ball club. Who would have thought that a year and a half ago? It's amazing, Jake, when you look back at all the prospect ratings. Sure, they hit on the Mooses and the Hosmers and the Will Myers, but then you've got guys like Chris Dwyer that never quite panned out and Tim Melville, and then you have guys like Salvi that were never top 15 prospects. Greg Holland, never a top 15 Royals prospect. Um, you know, Salvi Hall, and you go on and on, you know, Jake Junis, same way, even Cam Gallagher. It's it's pretty interesting, isn't it, seeing some of these guys that get $6 million first-round money. I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, and, and don't pan out, and you got these guys, you know, making $40,000 for their signing bonus and coming up here. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's always big when you can, you know, hit on a guy that you're not expecting, especially when, you know, in the past years, a lot of our first-round picks have not panned out at all. Right. So you you, you got to – Anytime you can find a guy in the farm system who is a little bit later on pick, it's pretty cool to see those different stories and and those guys work their way through the minors and come up and, and be stars in this league. One, Junis is a really exciting piece for this team. Oh yeah, I mean all of his pitches, even that the two seamer. I mean the, everything just moves. It's not you know last year we knew about the slider, but that, that that game against Detroit was the first time I saw that kind of action on the fastball, man. On that two seamer, it's jumping all over. So when you know when you get that kind of movement and you can get it up there. You know, 92, 93, 94 consistently, you become pretty difficult to hit. So I'm um, very excited to have Junis hopefully here for years to come and healthy in that Royals rotation. So one thing I wanted to ask you, Jake, one other question about yesterday um, in Game 4. I tweeted about this. I don't know if you saw a little bit frustrated. One out, and I believe it was the sixth inning, top of the sixth, one out, nobody on base, 3-0 count from Boyd to Chesler Cuthbert, and he's ripping away. It's a high, lazy pop-up. Jake, with one out in an inning and 3-0, and oh, there's maybe one or two guys on this team I want swinging the bat, especially right now on a cold day. What were your thoughts on Chesler Cuthbert getting the swing sign in a one nothing game when you're 0-3, 3-0 count with one out in the sixth inning and nobody on base? Your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I definitely would not have him have, give him the green light there, uh, especially considering the, the weather and the day and the score. I mean, if you're if it's a game where you're up, you know, four or five to one, it's a completely different story. And in July, when the ball's jumping, <laughs> sure, yeah. But but on a day when it's like that, and when you need base runners any way you can, I mean, yeah, I I didn't like it either. And I mean, I guess the, maybe the you know Ned is trying to just say that they have confidence in Cuthbert by letting him rip. I mean, they are. He was hitting cleanup yesterday, right? Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to talk about it, Jake. <laughs> so I mean, they're they're I guess trying to just give him the confidence, and he has looked good at the plate um, so far. But I, yeah, I, I, that's not a situation where he or I mean, I don't. There's very few guys on this roster that I would give the three O green light to there. All right. I mean, I can probably Mustakis. Mustakis, maybe Merrifield, maybe Gordon. I mean, maybe Salvi. I mean, there if he's playing there, maybe Bonifacio if he's playing. That's about it, though. I mean, the guys currently there's two or three maybe in that in yesterday's lineup that I would trust in that situation. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Interesting. I guess they want to just get him his bats and see what he is, which I I respect. But just something small I noticed that kind of you know that frustrated me a little bit um, in that game yesterday. Now, Jake, the Royals are one and three. A lot of people, you know, going to Cleveland now for a three-game set over the weekend, where realistically you hope to get out of there with one win. I mean, obviously you want to win yeah. two, but realistically you have to win one of these games, and you hope to win one of these games. Um, we'll see what they do with the rotation now that they've had all these off days. They could skip a couple of guys. I doubt they'll skip Hamill. They could. They could pretty much just go, uh, you know, Duffy and Kennedy and Junis. I don't think they would do that. But um, you look at the game 
you know, and where the Royals are at right now. A lot of people are panicking and, oh, we're going to lose 100. And, and I know you and I both picked up, I think, 76. I think I had 76 wins. You had 74. I think we averaged it out at 75. You know, and watching this team the first week of the season, Jake, I mean, it's just four games. I mean, how concerned are you with them winning 75 to 80 games and, and being a decent team? Because uh, there was a couple times I caught myself – thinking to myself, this is a bad baseball team. You know, when you've got some of these guys coming out of the bullpen, and it's easy to be magnified when it's one, two, three, four games, right? Because you, it's easy to overreact off of that. But you looked at, you know, without Salvi in the lineup, that was a huge loss, not having Salvi, and that's not the Royals' fault. And then Bonifacio, you were expecting to be penciled in and have a big season. He's all of a sudden not the lineup. And then you expected Carnes to be in the rotation. Now you've got Scoglund in there, um, and you expected some of these other guys to be in the bullpen that aren't there. I mean, it's just... You know, maybe Zimmer would contribute or Almonte or whatever. I mean, you just go through some of the injuries and bad luck the Royals have had and then look at some of the performances early, and it's easy to be pretty concerned. I mean, what are your thoughts? How concerned are you, and do you still think our 75-ish win total is realistic, or do you almost think, like me, that maybe we need to tone down just a hair even more? Yeah, I mean, if uh, honestly, if I would have known about the Carnes issue and about Salvi being hurt before we made it, I probably would have lowered it a little bit You're right. from 75, I think. Um, just because that's, you know, starting the season without both of those guys, it's a completely different feel. And your leader and your, your star catcher not in the lineup for the first six to eight weeks, I would say, it, it, that's pretty tough to overcome. Right. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I was definitely probably feeling the same way you were after the first three games, feeling a little better after Junis went out there and was lights out um, on, on Tuesday. So, I don't know. I think we need to see. I think – I don't. I mean, I don't think this is a good team by any means, but um, I think we need to give them a little bit more time to see. You know, it's going to really just depend on whether they can get anything going with that bullpen and develop roles and have anybody back there they can actually count on. Because if they don't get that mess figured out, it's going to be even if even if you're getting good starts from guys like Junis and Duffy. I mean, it, it's going to be a long season if. if you know, every time the bullpen comes in, the game's getting blown up. And you arguably so, have some guys down in Omaha that are probably better options than in Kansas City. I mean, the thing is, you've you've got a lot of guys yep. up here because you know you only got one guy in that whole bullpen that you can send down right now with options, and that's Tim Hill, and you're not doing that. I mean, otherwise, I mean, Flynn's out of options. Burt Smith, Rule 5 guy. Brad Keller, Rule 5 guy. Boyer, you can't send down. You're not going to send down Herrera. On and on. I mean, they only have one guy they can send down. So in a way, Jake... I don't think they're taking the best bullpen. I know they always value having guys, you know, depth. You value depth and you value keeping guys, right? You know, and you want to stash guys at Omaha because you know you're going to need them because of injuries and ineffectiveness. But I really think the Royals don't have their best bullpen out there. I mean, you've got guys like Kevin McCarthy who threw the ball very well last year, who has experience down there. Uh, in AAA, Machado, I saw some nice things out of him. You've got Barlow, and you know some of these other guys down there that are very intriguing um, at Omaha. So you know, I, I think that there's there's some guys that will hopefully help out as the year goes on. I, I, I think it's very doubtful a guy like Blaine Boyer is going to be here for the long haul, Jake. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. Not sure Birch Smith will be here for the long haul. So there will be some places. Uh, you know, somebody will get hurt, which is inevitable. So there'll be some of these guys coming up as the year goes on. I'm excited to see some guys like Scott Barlow and Trevor Oaks. Oaks a starter and Barlow, you know, we'll see But as the year goes on. But I'm with you. I mean, that bullpen has got to get better. That's the other thing I wanted to touch on. So, I mean, if, if it were you right now, you know, what are you doing, Jake? Is the seventh inning Keller and Hill, the eighth inning Grimm, the ninth inning Herrera, and then you kind of go Maurer and Flynn in, in the middle innings? Yeah, that's that's what I I would do. I, I think Grimm probably should be your eighth inning guy right now. He's looked 
pretty good in each of his outings so far. And I, I like so what I've seen from Keller and Hill. Um, you know, you can match them up depending on whether they got righties or lefties coming up. So I, I, I think if, yeah, if this is my pin, that's probably what I would do. I don't know if that's, that's probably not what Ned does. I would assume he's probably going to give Maurer another chance in possibly the seventh or eighth inning. I think he's just going to keep mixing and matching it until he can figure out what's going to work. And, and, uh, that may take a couple months of, of him mixing and matching before he figures out exactly what role each of these guys has in the plan. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting to see what happens here. Now, the last thing I wanted to touch on, well, two things, I guess, real quick. Cleveland this weekend, you with me? You just try to get out of there with one game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're, they're, they're not off to a very good start either, so I think they're going to be hungry to play some good baseball this weekend because uh, their pitching staff has, has not performed very well so far. Not at all. Not at all. So that'll be a tough environment, but the Royals have some good guys going. I expect a, a nice game from, from Danny Duffy on Friday. It'll be interesting to see how Ian Kennedy does after a very impressive. We didn't talk about that, by the way. We should give him some props. Really nice uh, second game from Ian Kennedy, Jig. Yeah, he was excellent on Saturday night. You know, he's, since first inning, he threw, I think, it was 35 pitches or so at right. least. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a long first inning, but after that, he was he was solid. He was attacking the zone on a cold night, which is exactly what you want to do and seem to have really good stuff and it was uh, a good start to the season for him and hopefully we'll see more of that well the very last thing i want to talk about is i want to kind of talk to the royals fan that's panicked right now jake with with the rebuild because you and i both know and everyone knows we're in year one of a what would you say jake a a four to six year rebuild before things are, are really clicking again does that sound about right to you yes i think so so we're in year one of it right now now this to me is the worst year of the whole rebuilding process. Now, the good thing is the Royals have those four draft picks inside the top 50 coming up this summer. The Royals should be able to flip some of these guys on the current roster for some more prospects. So they really ought to add five or six top 10 to 13 prospects into the pipeline for their own system to go along with some other nice guys that are down there on the low minors right now. I mean, so the pipeline ought to be looking quite a bit different this time next year, especially if it's a rough season. You get another first-round pick next year. I mean, you really ought to have that farm system pretty restocked by a year to year and a half from right now, and then you kind of just develop the guys. So, Jake, I want to – for people out there right now, this is the one year that kind of sucks, right? Because right now we don't know what the next wave is, right, Jake? I mean, you remember we knew who Hosmer and Moose were and Will Myers and Dwyer and Melville and Mike Montgomery and all these guys when you think back – um, you know, to the last wave of guys, and it, it kept you following the minor leagues. It kept you driving to Arkansas, making that three-hour drive, and making it to Omaha, knowing they were almost here, and it made the suffering at the major league level, you know, good. And right now, we don't have those core guys. We've, I mean, we've got some of them down there, like your boy that hit the home run in spring training off of Jesse Chavez that you liked, right? But I mean, other than that, I mean, the good thing is once you get through this year, this is the bad year because you don't know who yet is your next names, right? Because they haven't been drafted yet. We, we, don't, we don't have those four draft picks. We don't have the trades for more young players. We don't have that first-round pick next year quite yet, the high first-round pick. Once you get those names after this year and you get into the second year of the rebuild, I think it'll become a lot more smooth and a lot more fun again. But right now, it's I feel, for me personally, I have to remind myself of that because it feels a lot like guys of the past, like... You know, I'm not saying these these guys are similar games, but you see, I see John Jay and I think of Coco Crisp. I see, I see Lucas Duda and I think of Doug Mankiewicz or Hal Morris. Like, I mean, you just see certain guys and you're just like, oh, that reminds me of some guy from the past on a really bad team. You know, it's not fair to that guy because he might have been a decent player, but just the teams they were on. And right now, you look at him and you kind of can't help but you look at this bullpen and you think of some of those bad bullpens in the Baird era. 
Um, Alvin Baird era, but are you kind of with me? I mean, is, it, is that kind of how we have to look at this? Like, this is the one bad year of the rebuild, because right? Because we'll know who the players are. Like a year from now, we'll have their names. We'll know positions they play. We'll be able to follow them every night and and a ball. I, I mean, are you with me on that? Yeah, and I, I think a lot of fans are, are like panicking because this team's probably not very good, and they also realize that this team is not young at all. That's on the field right now, right? And that's because you know, there's no young guys really to bring yet. Like that young core, most of them haven't been drafted or at really low Yeah, they're in Wilmington or Lexington. Yeah, they're guys, we know very few of their names, and that's kind of how it works with the first year of the rebuild. I mean, if you think back to, you know, Hosmer and all the guys came up in 2011, but you think back to 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, we, we had teams that were very similar to this one where we had some, guys on one-year deals that we brought in who were veterans who we were looking to just flip in the middle of the year. That's kind of the way you have to look at this team. And, you know, it, it's tough to get excited about, but you got to think down the road that they're working to build, you know, what could be a bright future and to get more prospects into that system and the pipeline. So I think that's the way you have to look at it. I would say this team is probably even slightly more talented than some of those teams we saw in the late 2000s. God, I hope so. Which is good, <laughs> so you're at least going to see some competitive baseball. But I, I think that's that Dayton's you know done a decent job by bringing guys in like Jay and bringing Moose back and Escobar back and and Duda and to to try to at least keep it you know competitive and interesting while we're really you know aiming for a goal of of the rebuild and flipping these guys for for prospects. Yeah, yeah, and that's just. I mean, people say, "Oh, it's the what the what is it, the seventh oldest team in the league or something like that." I mean, it's a very veteran team, which you just touched on, Jake, and that's correct. But and they're like, "Well, what kind of rebuild is this? You got the seventh oldest play the kids." Well, like you said, some of these guys aren't ready yet. A, I mean, the guys that are that are that could be part of the next wave that are getting close. You've got your Ryan O'Hearns. You've got your Schwindels, you've got your Alberto Mondesi, who's hurt right now, and your Barlows and your Oaks and, you know, uh, Deweese. And, I mean, there are guys in double-A or above that are close, not quite there yet. But, you know, if, if they're not quite ready, why bring them up? Because it starts their clocks, too. I mean, you don't want to bring guys up before June 1st and end up losing them a year at the back end of their six-year window because you should be competing in about four years. So you want these guys to be like in their first and second year of arbitration, assuming that some of these guys do hit, Jake. I mean, they won't all hit, but some of these O'Hearns and the names I just mentioned, you bring them up, you want them to be like in year one or two of arbitration and kind of be veterans to help the young kids at that time and to kind of overlap with the young kids so that you get some competitive years there at the beginning of the next wave and and get that going and have a chance to sign some of those guys once they become free agents. But, I mean, you don't want to rush it. And like you said, too, bringing these guys in allows you to flip them for even more prospects. So I think I think it's people need to look at this realistically and not be smart-alecky about it. I mean, it's a veteran team, but, the, you know, it's the reasons we just said, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and you're, they're going to see these. This team's going to turn very, very young here in the next couple of years. But you know, you got to have stop gaps until then, and these stop gaps also can lead to more prospects. So that's kind of the way you got to look at it. My last question for you, Jake: Will Alcides Escobar have a day off at shortstop between now and the Fourth of July? <laughs> <laughs> yes or no? It's a legit question. You have to admit it's a legit question. You know, Ned has said he, he wants to get Goins in there and get him to the bats as well. But, you know, knowing Ned, he'll probably play him at third or at second instead and leave Escobar in there. <laughs> yeah, put him, put him in the cleanup spot later this year, right? Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, Jake, thanks so much for your time, of course, as always. I hope everybody enjoys um, the dish here on Clubhouse Conversation. And this year it'll be a weekly uh, chat between yourself and I. 
uh, probably about 30 minutes each time we do it. We're at about 30 minutes now, Jake. I think we covered the majority of things that we needed to talk about, and, and that's pretty impressive. Only four games, and we came up with that. But there's always plenty to talk about with the Royals, and as the year goes on, Jake, you and I will be able to talk about the draft and, and trades and how guys are doing in the minor leagues, and you and I will make trips to go watch the minor league affiliates, and we'll continue to talk about the big league club as well. And, uh, and people have asked me, too, will you be doing the interviews again? Yeah, they'll be coming back. This is going to be here for the rest of my life, clubhouseconversation.com. So we've got hundreds of interviews on here. We'll be adding to them as time allows and and uh, and continuing to grow the website. And hopefully you'll be around. You can subscribe to us, like I said, clubhouseconversation.com. Tell a friend. Tweet us, at Royals Clubhouse. We'd love to hear from you. Davo at clubhouseconversation.com. I still need to get you an email address since I pay for like 90 of them and I only have one set up. So I should probably <laughs> do that one of these days, Jake. But um, you know, thanks so much for your time, man. Do you have anything else to add or any predictions for this weekend or any other thoughts? Um, no, I'm just hoping to see us play some good baseball, even if we only can grab one in Cleveland. That's, that's the goal, but you know, hopefully some good competitive baseball for us. You and I and both. no rain. Yes, no rain. Do a little rain dance for us. It did, it did look pretty good earlier today when I was looking at the forecast. It'd be kind of chilly up there, but should be able to get three in this weekend. And the Royals will be home for a nice homestand beginning with the Seattle Mariners and the Angels next week. All right, well, that's it for your dish for this off day on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll be in touch in about a week and daily via the Twitter. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Go Royals.